Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on June 15, 2014, 10.30 a.m. Today's message is Father's Courage by Dr. Lyle Schrag, based on scripture reading 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 to 14. And I would ask you to join with me in a word of prayer. Almighty God, even with those terms, we recognize your attributes, majesty, creator, almighty, omnipotent, omniscious, attributes that are so great that they overarch all of the heavens and earth and they put us in awe. And yet on this day, I pray that we might be able to get a glimpse and a discovery of that one attribute by which you move from that greatness into a gentleness. We call you Father. And as we call you Father, I pray that you would give us a greater understanding of of the richness of that term and what we can expect of you. But even more than that, that you might inform us what you expect of us as we touch each other in a special way to influence each other and to bring blessing to each other. Help us to be able to see in you, Lord, the strength that gives us strength, and in you, Lord, the courage that gives us courage, and in you, Lord, the stability and the steadiness and the faith that gives us, Lord, purpose in all that we do as we are together in your name, a wonderful name, the name of the one who loved us and gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. As I was preparing for this Father's Day message, I was reminded of a conversation that I had with a friend, another pastor friend, Phil Zilla, a couple of years ago. Do any of you remember Phil Zilla? Just, you know, raise your hands. He was the uh, pastor of the Sunshine uh, Ridge Baptist Church years ago, and then I reconnected with him at Acts uh, when he was the uh, principal at Acts. He's now in Ontario, uh, the dean of a seminary out there. But while he was pastor at Sunshine Ridge, he was planning his own Father's Day message, and he decided to give it a different twist. Normally when pastors preach on family issues, we, we tend to address the adults, the parents. We put the onus on them. And that seems to be the normal focus, uh, to encourage parents to do the right thing by their children, to raise them in the way in which they should go. Phil, however, had had enough of that. And he told me that it was time to turn the tables. And, I, and I, as I remember, it, he, he, it went a little bit like this. He said, forget telling the parents what they should be doing for their kids. This time, I'm going to be telling the kids exactly what they're doing to their parents. <laughs> they need to know the impact they have on seemingly normal adults, good and bad. I find myself looking at my kids and saying, you want to know why I'm like this? It's because of you. <laughs> you get the idea. Well, I don't know how that message particular at Sunshine Ridge came up, but I do remember thinking at the time, yeah, yeah. Why should parents take all the heat when it comes to teaching on family? I mean, there's enough instruction to go all around the house, and I don't want to sound grumpy, although I know I'm becoming a grouchy old man, but uh, maybe there is something to be gained by way of a perspective 
an appreciation if the tables were to be turned. I mean, let's be honest. It's easy to take parents for granted, isn't it? How many parents here have ever felt that their kids really don't fully appreciate who you are and what you do? Raise your hands with me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's Father's Day. And just in case you don't believe me, those of you who do have kids around the house, how, how many times have you heard your children say something like this? Wow. I didn't realize how difficult it was it being a parent. How do you do it? Larry Rout wrote this in Child Magazine. I, I enjoyed it. I clipped it out. It said, there's always something you wish your kids would do. Put the dishes in the dishwasher, toss dirty clothes into the hamper, things like that. Well, here's my wish list of phrases I would like to hear my kids say. Not all the time, but just once would be nice. Phrases like, and here's the list. Dad, it was my fault. (laughs) Bored? How could I be bored being around you? It's a hard choice. Everything you want to do sounds great to me. No thanks, Dad. It's too expensive. I can do without it. What, Dad? No kiss? Pass the broccoli, please. Who cares if the TV is broken? I just enjoy being together with you. (laughs) That's okay. None of my friends are allowed to do it either. And here's my favorite. You are so cool, Dad. (laughs) I read those and I think to myself, it could happen, but probably not. As I read that list, I thought, what would I like to add? As I've cared for my kids and now... As I care for my grandchildren, my, I think to myself, what words would they say that would warm my heart? Dad, Grandpa, thank you. I think I understand how much it cost you to care for me. The fact is, most parents operate in the background. Our hours and our efforts are largely hidden, and they are easily overlooked, and at times, <laughs> let's face it, misunderstood. At the same time, there are always out there then competing agents that are destined to steal your child's affection. It always frosts me whenever rock stars are criticized for corrupting the morals and the minds of youth. And they always seem to then sneer into the camera and say something like this. Well, the kids have parents, don't they? If the parents can't influence them, don't blame us. When they say that, it's like a gauntlet that is thrown down, and I think to myself, am I really capable of competing with rock stars? I mean, I've had a minivan. They have limos with hot tubs. How can I compete? I'm supposed to compete. I offer responsibility. I offer healthy meals. I offer a safe night's sleep. I offer a quality education. They What do they offer? They offer fantasies filled with thrills and lights and risks and stars. And I'm supposed to compete? Now, I know I'm whining here, but I got the pulpit, so what do you say? (laughs) However, there is a larger point at stake. There is something that I can offer as a father that, in fact, does beat the competition. The competition. 
And it's called love and sacrifice. Mom and dad, auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa, oma, opa, however you might call yourself, it is your love and sacrifice that makes you worthy of the name which you are to be called. And it is a love and a sacrifice that dare not quit. It is not always easy to see, especially for the children. It usually takes an epiphany moment of revelation for children to wake up to what their parents offer. Now, I was really hoping to set up a movie clip for you this morning and so that you could witness such a moment because there is one that is so brilliant. It's a scene out of what I consider to be the best Western ever made, The Magnificent Seven. And some of you know that. You've seen the movie. It was made years ago. And you may know the story. It's a, of a small, struggling Mexican farm village. For years, they had been bullied by a band of banditos, and finally it had enough, and so they, they, they hire seven gunfighters. You know who they are, Will, uh, Ewell Brenner, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson, to confront this army of bad guys and defend the village. If you haven't seen the movie, I won't tell you how the story ends. But you got to see it. It's the best Western ever made. But there was one moment that just captured my attention. These Magnificent Seven uh, take on hero status in the town when they arrive. And even the children of the village get into the act. And each one of them decide to adopt their own of the, uh, hero among the seven. And there's a group of little boys who, who, who look at Charles Bronson, rough, tough, a gunfighter, rugged, handsome guy, and they select him in the name he's called Bernardo. And they promise to honor him all the way to the end, even if he dies, which was a comfort to him, I think. And they even promised to make sure that he would have fresh flowers on his grave forever. But as you watch that particular scene, you find that they are eager to please Bernardo, but in return, they receive their own discovery and revelation. I don't have the clip for you, so I'm going to have to act it out. So picture me as Charles Bronson and the little boys, okay? One little boy says, Can we go with you, Bernardo? Bernardo says, No. But you like us, don't you? Well, I guess so. You are one of us, aren't you? Yeah, I'm one of us, all right. Then take us with you then, please. No. We are ashamed to live here. Our fathers are cowards. To which then, Charles Bronson grabs the little boy, puts him over his knee, and gives him a spanking. You can tell it's an older movie. Don't you ever say that again about your fathers. Because they are not cowards. You think I am brave because I carry a gun? Well, your fathers are much braver because they carry responsibility. For you, your brothers, your sisters, your mothers, and this responsibility, it is like a big rock that weighs a ton. It bends and it twists them until it finally buries them under the ground. And there's nobody says they have to do this. They do it because they love you. 
And because they want to, I have never had that kind of courage. Running a home, working like a mule every day with no guarantee that anything will come of it, this is bravery. That is why I have never started anything like that, and that is why I never will. I remember sitting and watching that clip with my kids and thinking, that's right, you listen to the man, you listen to him, let's rewind that, let's play that again, and again, and again. They do it because they love you, because they want to. I have never had that kind of courage. This is a gunslinger. Running a home, working like a mule every day with no guarantee that anything will come of it, this is bravery. Who knew that in reality, fathers can be the real heroes in life? Dads, your quality of courage is often buried in the mundane routines of life and overlooked as you get up every morning and you go to work, as you serve and as you sacrifice. And your courage is tested as you fulfill your God-given mandate to invest your time and your treasure and your talent into raising a young man or a young woman who is grounded in the truth and in value and who knows the love of God through your diligent prayer and your consistent faith and your sacrificial, sacrificial service. Now, it's true. Not all fathers do that. And shame on those who don't. But those who do, they do it in obscurity. And they live out lives of faithfulness and commitment without much acclaim. But over time, they possess an element of steel in their heart, which is called bravery. It is courage. And just an aside, it is not just fathers. just mothers, too and aunties, and uncles, and omas, and opas. And that is why I love the bumper sticker that speaks of the quality of one who has embraced that task. I saw it some time ago. It's not gender-specific. It belongs to parents. It says, males and male and female, moms and dads, and it reads this way, you can't scare me. I've got teenagers. If you're up to the task, you have got to be brave. And here, I suppose, it's only fair for me to ship the spotlight off the kids and the discovery they need to make of their parents and turn that challenge over to the dads. And in a way, it's a challenge for every single one of us. The Bible is filled with a word of challenge. You heard it in the passage this morning. Very brief. Two verses. However, it resounds and echoes its way all the way through the pages of the scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you've got a study Bible with you, you will find that that is a constant refrain throughout the scriptures. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you. Joshua 10, verse 25. Joshua 23, verse 6. 2 Samuel 10, verse 12. 1 Chronicles 19, verse 13. 
First Chronicles 22, verse 13. First Chronicles 28, verse 20. And Second Chronicles 32, verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Into the Psalms it goes. In Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can a teenager do to me? For the Lord is with me. Pause for just a moment and make the connection. The element of courage is not a byproduct of manhood. The challenge is not a call for you to generate something bold all on your own. This challenge is not a call for you to to somehow find in yourself something genetic. You go to a Bible dictionary and you look up the word courage and you will find that it has a deeper meaning than, than the word may appear. Here's how the Nelson's Dictionary puts it. The biblical term courage is put this way. It is a strength of purpose that enables one to withstand fear or difficulty. It is a physical courage that is, and note this, a physical courage that is based on a moral, spiritual faith foundation grounded in a reliance on the presence and the power of God and a commitment to his commands. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you. What you do as a dad, as a parent, as a grandparent, is a mission from God. Your courage comes down from your faith, and you are not to be afraid. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. Which raises the question, is he with you? Are you aware of his presence? Are you reliant upon his presence? Have you determined in your heart of hearts that the Lord is your God and he will then be the strength of your life? Take it one step further. The theme of courage carries that same Old Testament connection of courage and faith in the New Testament. We read it again this morning in 2 Corinthians 16. Be on your guard and stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong and do everything in love. Underline that. I love the the way the Greek language adds another dimension to what we find in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. The phrase, be men of courage, is in fact just one word in the Greek. It's the word, and I'll try to say it in Greek, androsethe, which comes from the root word man, andros. But it applies to everyone who would read that passage. It's an attribute which stands at the core of masculinity, and you might translate it better with this word, man up. Man up. If you're a dad, man up. If you're a grandpa, man up. If you're a parent, man up. It's not gender specific. How do you man up? What makes you strong? you got to have a firm faith. In reality, you have it in you to be a hero, but it begins only when you belong to one who is the Heavenly Father, all manned up, who defines what it means to be the hero at large. That's the largest lesson of all that we find this morning. We hear it in those terms, your Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father is the greatest hero of all. 
There is an interesting principle woven into the fifth commandment that we find in Exodus chapter 5, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, and then it goes on to say this, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You see, the honor that you express to earthly parents is not an end in and of itself. The honor that you give to your earthly parents opens the door to a larger sense of honor, a lifelong ability to appreciate the Lord your God, who is also then called the Heavenly Father. Once everything is revealed of God in the Old Testament, all of his attributes of majesty, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience, his eternality, his immobility, Jesus revealed that God's most important attribute for us to grasp is that of Father. It is his favorite way of addressing God. When he prayed, it was, My Father. And when he taught his disciples to pray, he taught them beginning by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven. And what he taught, the lessons that he gave, would reveal the character of God, revealed in such a way that it would be your Father you would know. And when he sought to explain what his life would expose to the lives of humanity about the very nature of God, his terms were utterly clear. He who has seen me, he says, has seen the Father who has sent me. The term Father is used of God in all four Gospels, 189 times. And of them, 124 times, it is found in the Gospel of John, and even more intimately on the night before the cross, in John 17, where it became the exclusive term used of Jesus to describe God, his Father, and it became an intimate name from the lips of Jesus. Now who knows what thoughts that name generates in the hearts of the disciples. The days to follow that moment in John 17, the night before the, 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 the passion, those days to follow would bring it home. And they would quickly discover that it was in the heart of their Heavenly Father to care for them, to serve them, and to sacrifice for them, to sacrifice for the life of his children. And that brings us full circle around. That's what fathers do. They serve and they sacrifice all they have because they love. It's a relationship that too often escapes us. We live in God's creation. We are blessed with the breath of life. And God's voice calls out to us from morning to night. And we stand in awe of God as creator at large. But because we are prone to take advantage of things, we can miss his intention to be father up close and personal. In the Old Testament, when societies were condemned, there's a little phrase that is used. It says, the fear of God was not in them. A closer word of that word, a read of that word fear redefines the experience of fear. It was not that of terror, but it was that of awe, struck by the realization of who God really is and what God has really done and what God really wants to be in your life. That is awesome. Because of sinful nourishment, I said we, we are prone to take things for granted, and we do that with God as well as we do it with each other. And it takes a 
something more for us to see the true value of the one who loves us. In Romans chapter 8, the indication is that the Holy Spirit goes to work in our lives so that we can awaken to that discovery. We read it in verse 15. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that awakens us to discovery. And we, there we read, we did not receive a spirit that made us slaves again to fear, but we received the spirit of sonship. And by the Spirit of God, we are able then to look in the eyes of God and say, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifying with our spirit that we are God's children and we are heirs and we are heirs of God. Let me end by taking you back to that cowboy movie. And, and, and I'm struck there by the richness of those little boys discovering a relationship that had belonged to them all along. Their fathers cared for them. And the love of their fathers and taking that to heart, I am humbled to discover that same thing in my own life with a love that has already surrounded me at home. And then lifting my eyes, I am now able to see clearly into heaven a heavenly father who has also been there all alone, willingly accepting the responsibility to take me into his heart, to embrace me into his family, as he did, not just with me, but with you as well. And no one said he had to do it in the words of Charles Bronson. In fact, God being complete and majestic as he is, there was nothing lacking in him that forced him to open his heart. It can only be explained by one word. He chose to love you. It was his decision to love that was expressed in sacrifice. Now, human fathers may carry on their shoulders a big rock that weighs a ton. In that divine mystery of the Trinity, through Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father accepted something more than just a ton of rocks. He took it upon himself to go to the cross. And upon Jesus, cross, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, a cross was laid which carried the full weight of sin of the world and it bent him and it twisted him and it buried him into the ground. Yet never has been seen such courage and never has there been such love. And it was all for you. I love the way that verse in 1 John 3 reads in the old King James. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. Would you pray with me? So gracious Heavenly Father, we began in prayer recognizing and, Lord, in our worship, announcing the majesty that is yours that we so clearly see and so earnestly worship. And yet, Lord, as we come to this moment, we pray that you would impress upon our hearts that you are not just overarching the heavens and the earth, but you walked into our lives and you want to call us children for you are a heavenly Father, and you have chosen to love us. Help us know what to expect of you, and then to willingly open our hearts to you. And that by the power of our Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, we might be able to say to you, Abba, Father, I am yours.
And there may be hearts within this congregation right now that realize that life can be lived in no other way than under the care, your care, Heavenly Father. And then out of that, Lord, I pray that we would make that connection to know what is required of us. As we step into our lives, mundane as they may seem, but to do it with strength and courage and faith. For we give ourselves to you in obedience to your claim in our lives to be the people you have called us to be, men and women of God. This we pray in the powerful and the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.